seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Live radio contact. Hello and welcome to this week's Devil in the Detail podcast. I'm Rob Parks and we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Join me the show this week as ever we have Paul Whiteside. All right, Paul? Hey, Rob. You okay, mate? Two week, two shows in two days, Paul. It's uh, rock and rollers. Certainly is. Certainly is. We just keep throwing the uh, throwing the shows out, don't we? But yeah, we've not got as much on this week, have we, as we did one over the weekend. But we was... Uh, they were crying out for shows, weren't they? People were asking us to do one, so we got one out there. Yeah, so we've got this uh, kind of a pop-up podcast, really. Um, what have we got on this week's uh, show, Paul? We've got all the big news coming out of South Red Devils. Yeah, we've got the, the news. There's some t- ticket news there, um, things that are happening this week. We've got the amateur report, and we'll also be having a look at the, the preview of the big game this Friday against the Kingston Rovers. Yeah, and a pop-up uh, interview with uh, Salford legend Key Fielding. So what we'll do, we'll start off with the news coming out of uh, Salford Red Devils. So, uh, all the big news coming out of South Red Devils this uh, this week. Big game against Hawkins and Rovers on Friday night, Paul. Uh, got a special guest uh, coming down to watch the game. Yeah, we certainly have. Do you remember Phoenix Nights? From, uh, yeah, from a few years ago, it's very funny show. That one, it really, really good. Well, there was two characters on there. One was Kenny, is it Kenny Senior and Kenny Junior? Yeah, the guy that had his face painted. Yeah, well, I think it's the senior one, Kenny uh. Dalglish Senior, the one who tells like tall tales about Jackie Chan and things like that. You know, getting Jackie Chan paint and stuff like that. <laughs> the, the Lollipop Man, I think he's oh, a Lollipop yeah, yeah. Man. One, a very funny guy. I think he's a comedian, and he's going to be there in the uh, 1873 lounge entertaining the uh, VIP guests on Friday night. Yeah, is it 99 pound yep. uh, for a for a comfy seat and a, and a a uh, three-course meal or something like that, is it as well? Something like that. Yep, yep. Three-course meal, and you get to sit in the, the VIP lounge. I think I believe the food's very good there, and you get the entertainment as well. I think they do the man of the match awards in there after the game as well. Yeah, so loads going on. Obviously, uh, I think um, Ryan Wilde's playing uh, in the tent as well. He's very good. Yeah, he's in the tent, Ryan. Before uh, before the match, cinnamon dinner, lead singer. Very good, Ryan. Very good. I'm sure it'll be really entertaining uh, before the game. Yeah, I think it's great. The club are trying these things, uh, trying to be like, getting uh, you know people in, a local talent to uh, to perform. Yeah, certainly. There's a lot of local talent in Salford, isn't there? We, we know Ryan from from his band, and we spoke to him. We see him at the games, don't we? A lovely guy. Also a DJ as well. He does quite a bit of DJing, so I presume he, he might be doing a bit of that as well. When we've got Andy Steele, haven't we? Who does the DJ? He does a fantastic job on match days as well. Some good people doing the entertainment, Rob. Yeah, it's going to be great. Obviously, it's about building a match day experience for everyone, Paul, and uh, you know, it's hopefully start of things to come. Certainly, yeah. Like we say, it's a big game, as we'll talk about in the preview. But the kickoff time as well. Have we mentioned that it's an eight o'clock kickoff on Friday night? That the half seven kickoff for the Wigan game. It's been put back after a consultation, I think, with supporters. Was it or was there? Yeah, I think the people, a lot of people, sort of upset about the kickoff being moved half an hour. But we spoke about it last week, didn't we? About you know having the extra time to get to the ground. And I suppose the club have listened. They've decided that you know they'll be back to the traditional eight o'clock kickoff time on Friday. Yeah, eight o'clock Friday. So uh, yeah, no excuses. Friday night. I'm sure OKS will bring a good following like they normally do, and uh, should be a good night. 
Yeah, they, uh, there was a, a volunteer meeting last night, Paul. That was uh, very exciting. Lots of people turned up and it was good to you know hear all about that. Yeah, I believe it went down well. I know Jerry Armstrong was involved with that, who does a lot of work with the foundation, does a fantastic job with the foundation team and the young lads down there. He's a good volunteer and does loads of great work. And if there's more people that are willing to get involved and, and pick up that mantle and help out, I'm sure there is because there's some cracking supporters at Salford in there and I'm sure everyone will get on board and, uh, and do a good job. Yeah, obviously, volunteering is a massive thing. If we want this club to grow, Paul, you know, people will have to get involved. And, you know, we've got some good people already involved in the club who, put, you know, put the time into and effort into, you know, making the club great. Yeah, there certainly is. And these people love the club, don't they? And, they, you know, we've not got the tens of thousands of supporters, have we, like other clubs? But the people we have got, you know, are willing to do everything, aren't they, for the club and, and, and volunteer their time and effort. And, and I think that's great. Yeah, so that's all the big news uh, coming out of Salford Red Devils uh, this week, which isn't much, to be fair. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Paul's amateur report. Well, here is the amateur report, and I shall start off this week with Student Rugby League. On Wednesday, the 14th of February, there's some results in the universities. Northern Conference Cup, there were good results for us as well for our local side. Sheffield, Hallam, nil, Manchester 42, Leeds Trinity 14, Salford 24. It's always nice to beat Leeds, and that was a great win for the university on Wednesday. In round two of the BUCS Trophy, Leeds Becky A6, Manchester Met 24, another excellent win there. And the fixtures for this week in the University's Conference Cup is on Wednesday the 21st of February, it's Salford versus Hull A. In College Rugby League, there's just a one fixture this week, that's in the Northwest League 1, the fixture between Runshaw and Salford Red Devils, that is also on Wednesday. Moving on to the X-Max Barla National Youth Cups, these matches were played on Sunday in the under-18s, it was round 2. It was Wollstone 44, Oldham St Anne's nil, East Leeds 6, Stanley 20, Waterhead 16, Lee East 22, Normanton 16, Wigan St Pat's 20, Lock Lane 13, Schoolar 12, Blackbrook 16, Saddleworth nil, and Thatto he 6, Lee Mayners 24. In the under-16s round 2, these are the fixtures that are coming up. Sorry, from Sunday, it was Brighouse versus Hunter Warriors with no result, and Thatto Heath against Cramlington Rockets was no result. In the under-14s, round two, Halton Farm with Hornets, four, Siddle, 22, Hindley, 16, Jude Moore, 18, Waterhead, 10, Kipak, 6, Kells, 18, Clockface, Miners, nil. East Hull, 16, Wesley's, 25, and Birkinshaw, nil, Stanningley, 18. Well, last week we said that Chris Brining was involved in the Challenge Cup third round draw. That draw was made and these fixtures will be played this weekend coming up. So it's Saturday the 24th of February and Sunday the 25th. There's a few games on each day. I'll give you the fixtures. The BBC telly game is going to be at half past two. And I'm pretty sure that's Askham against York City Knights. That's on Saturday. We'll find out that for you and, and let you know. But Hunslet Club Parks, I play Workington Town. That's a half-two kick-off on Saturday. Kells against the British Army is 2 o'clock. Normanton Knights against Batley Boys is 2 o'clock. And Pilkington Rex play Millam. That's also 2 o'clock. The rest of the games are played on Sunday. And it's Bradford Bulls against West Wales Raiders. Coventry Bears against Distington. Doncaster against Might and Warriors. Hemel Stags against Newcastle Thunder. Hunslet against Alton Raiders. North Wales Crusaders against Keithley Cougars. Oldham against Featherstone Lions. And Whitehaven against London Scholars. 
And some more exciting news earlier this week and with the joint under-23 squads will fly out to Australia earlier this week and with the joint aim of making a real impact on the Commonwealth Nines. The men's Nines are being run in conjunction with the women's and physical disability Nines with all games taking place at the Dolphin Oval Stadium, Moreton Bay in Queensland. The men's action gets underway on Friday the 23rd. There's a couple of local lads involved in, the, in some of the squads. Declan Sheridan of Rochdale Mayfield is in the England squad and Blake Turner of the Rochdale Hornet is in the Wales squad so we'll keep you posted on how those lads are doing and how those fixtures pan out over the next couple of weeks so best of luck to both England and Wales and Scotland going over there to Australia in that Nines tournament well finally this week on Devil in Details Amateur Report we'll give you some great news again from Salford we keep telling you about how well the college team's doing and how well the under 16s are doing thanks to Simon Williams for the update he's passed us the results over from this week it was uh, the black team won by 36 points to nil against the Midlands and the red team won by 56 points to nil against the Midlands development team. So two great wins there, nilling both sides as well. Excellent stuff for the under-16s. So we wish them all the best in the coming weeks. That's great news for Salford Red Devils and their, their young sides. That's all I've got for you this week. I shall see you on Friday night at the AJ Bell for Salford against Hulkea. So that was Paul's Amateur Report looking at all the local uh, rugby league. Um, next up on this uh, podcast from the Devil in the Detail, uh, we spoke to Salford Legends Keith Fielding at a recent game. Uh, what a nice bloke he was. Nice bloke and, and club legend. They were a matter of tries he scored and it was quite surreal sort of meeting him and, and talking to him really when you'd heard all the, the great stories. You know, our dads have told us about Keith Fielding. They watched him back in the back in the 70s and... What a nice man as well. It was great to see him at the. Uh, it was at the Swinton Friendly. It was quite a while ago. We spoke to him now, wasn't it? Yeah, great to see, great to see him. Great to speak to him. He's still got very fond memories of Salford and still looks out for the club, doesn't he? Yeah. So he told us all about his uh, Salford career. So it's well worth a listen. And it's up next on the Devil in the Detail. Devil in the Detail. That's, that's about six. Oh, I'm delighted to see for uh, Devil in the Detail podcast. Me and Rob have been joined by. Uh, I think legend gets banded about quite a lot, Rob, but I think we can call him Keith Fielding a Salford legend, really. And uh, you know, somebody that I, I've sort of grown up hearing about through my dad, watching him, you know, play through the seventies, and you know, I'm delighted to be sat at the same table as you, Keith. I've heard so it's much about you. Pleasure to be here. It uh, it was something I didn't expect to happen quite so soon, having moved down to Cornwall to live. Uh, but I found a nice and efficient way uh, to get up from uh, from the area of Newquay and Truro and there in about 40 minutes it's, and it's flying and it's really really is good get on the plane in Newquay land 40 minutes later in Manchester get picked up by my, my daughter and my son-in-law and I've now I can actually come and get to a few more few more games when you said that then about 40 minutes I thought you were, I thought you were going to say you've been brought in a helicopter or something <laughs> <I> thought, <laughs> who's this guy who's here but that's fantastic I mean, it seems like a long car journey doesn't it? or a, a long train journey it's a no brainer quite frankly you jump on a plane and then 40 minutes later you're landing and that's that's how's, it how's life down in, the, in Cornwall are you enjoying it down there I love it I really love it I mean it's a it's a place I've always gone to on holiday right from as a kid I even had my honeymoon down there um, and since I've been retired from teaching which is getting on for 10 years now I started to spend more and more time down there so it was it really was natural for me to to go and live down there my wife wanted to go down there and and, and stay um, and it's fantastic it's even the rain is warm down there 
you, you're, a fl- you're a flyer in real life and you're also a flyer on the rugby pitch as well. Oh, what was your, you know, what got you into rugby league? Um, Mike Coleman. <laughs> Mike Coleman. Uh, I, I, I watched a lot of rugby league but only on television. So I was uh, in the era of watching Volanoven and Billy Boston. And Bill Burgess, who was here at Salford, who was an extremely good player. So when I got the started to get the phone calls uh, when I was in my early twenties um, from the likes of Castleford and Wigan and Lee and a few other teams, uh, eventually Salford got in touch after I played a sevens tournament for England up in Scotland in '73, um, and they said, "Can we come and talk?" And and, and the boss, Brian Snape came down with Mike Coleman, who used to play for my old club, Rugby Union Club, Mosley, and we started chatting and, and Mike said, if you're thinking about it, you're going to get paid for playing a game that you love, you're still going to be working, teaching, so you've got like two two jobs, it opens up all sorts of things. And, and Mike said, you think about the Mosley team you're playing in, it's, it's a f- full of internationals. And then he said, if you come to Salford, You've got Maurice Richards on the wing, you've got Chris Esketh and David Watkins in the centre, you've got Kenny Gill at standoff, and you've got the world's best ever fullback, Paul Charlton. It's an all international back. Even Peter Banner was uh, Welsh scrum half. It was a full international back, back line. And it was just, it was so easy to make the decision. All I had to do was get a job, and then I signed on the line. What was it like playing that side in the 70s? The players you just mentioned there, I mean, those were just the backs, weren't they? We could, we could talk all day about the backs, and we could talk all day about the forwards. You had guys like Colin Dixon in there, Eric Prescott played there at Salford as well. You know, just, to, just to name a few, I'm not going to go through all of them. Mike Coomer, who's, who's been here today. What was it like seeing Mike again? It was fantastic, and I know he's, he's been a bit poorly, but it was good to have a nice chat, and he was remembering things, and we were talking about the old days, and it was absolutely fantastic to see him looking so well. I thought he'd Perhaps he wouldn't be so well, but he was. Um, to play with Salford in those days, it was flowing. We were more dangerous in our own 25 than we were anywhere else in the park. You know, you, you set a scrum. And OK, so the scrums were a bit tighter in those days. They weren't so loose. But we had endless moves that were, were that Cliff Evans used to set up and, and Les Bettinson used to set up. And we were, we were dangerous from anywhere Anywhere virtually on the park we could score tries. Not only did we have all those backs available, as you say, you've just mentioned a few names in the forwards, but you'd also got players like John Knighton, yeah, who Kenny Gill at standoff turned John Knighton into one absolutely superb player. Because John had wherever wherever Ken went, John Knighton followed. But Eric Prescott followed. You know, and it was great to watch. It was, it was great to play with. Obviously, you know, modern day rugby league, do you reckon you could have fit in? Mm, I've, I've thought about it. My, my natural instinct is to say I would take too much of a beating. I was a bit of a softie <laughs> on the choir. Uh, I wouldn't mind being about 15, 16 stone and six foot tall now, but, you know, to be to be five foot, five foot seven and, 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 and only 12, 13 stone, it, it, I'd have to be perhaps a little bit quicker, and I think I would be. If, instead of training twice a week, I'd be training four times a week, five times a week. Um, and I think that I'd be quicker, I'd be bulkier, I'd have more perhaps power. I wouldn't be taller. No, <laughs> that wouldn't help. But I think I'd be. I could be. I could have added something to the game. But it's only you know what if. What yeah. if? 
I suppose obviously you look time you look back at your time at Salford is you know really memorable. Um, did you, did you also do um, sort of a uh, sort of sports with sportsmen, superstars? Superstar. Yeah. Tell us about that. Was that good fun? That was great fun. Yeah. That was great fun. It was even better because I could actually take the money that they paid as well. Yeah. <laughs> if it was a rugby union player in those days, it was amateur. They'd have to give it back or or whatever. So uh, yeah, no, I loved it. And because it, I was a PE teacher and I was dabbling with all all sorts of different sports, um, it, I could put my hand to a thing, few things and also I was teaching kids there was um, at my school in Marple there was British school cycling champion there was a British schools canoeing slalom canoeing champion there and they started to coach me so I just said uh, listen guys I've got to do this and I had five days to do the first show uh, can you teach me a few things and then after I, I did so well there, then I started to develop all the coaching techniques. I even travelled down to Preston Brook, to Piranha there, where I was coached by world champions. And I was training five times a week and two or three times a day. So I, I took it seriously because I didn't want to look an idiot. I wanted to do rugby league proud, you know, um, because you can go on those tip shows and they say, oh, look at that rugby league fella, you know, he's, he's rubbish. But they didn't. Look at that rugby league fella, he's not bad. You just mentioned a couple of names there in uh, Cliff Evans and, and Les Bettinson, yeah. people like that. How, how much influence did they have on your career? Well, I have to say that I didn't know what to expect on the coaching front. The f first time I met Cliff Evans and I met uh, Les Bettinson, I thought, you know, these guys are genuine, they're intelligent, they're honest and they have massive integrity which is something that sometimes is a bit missing in in sport in some, certain professional sports and another name uh, somebody that i met um, was alan mckinnis uh, they were doubly influential on my life because i got a job at marple hall was boys grammar at the time as, as a PE teacher and uh, the head of pe was alan mckinnis and the person that used to be head of PE there became the uh, advisor for physical education in Stockport was Les Bettinson. Okay. Now, to be honest, they refused to be in on interview. So I got the job on merit, I feel. So I was quite happy with that. And that shows the integrity of those, those people because they could have been there pushing for me because it was important that I get the job, otherwise I wouldn't have signed for Salford. Um, but I got the job. And then it wasn't about just a few days later I signed on the dotted line that it was look for a house and that was it. So sad news on it last week when I think it was the week before Alan McInnes's funeral next week, you know. Real real sad news, a real real stalwart, great coach as well. Coach Wigan to a, a challenge cup final in nineteen eighty five with uh, Colin Clark, I think, assisted him, didn't he? So really sad news that Keith. Yeah. Uh, it was a shock. I know Les Bettinson's been a bit poorly, he's got uh, well, it's the thing that age does to you, you know, Mike. Uh, but to hear Alan McInnes had died was uh, very, very sad. Um, as far as teaching was concerned, I'd, I'd actually modelled myself on Alan McInnes as a teacher. He was an expert in all sorts of things, but he was patient and very level-headed. Um, something that I found hard, because I'm a bit excitable, I do get excited, and um, what Alan taught me was to be genuine with the kids, to be firm, but to be honest with the kids. And if you're going to say you're going to do something, you do it. You don't 
say, right, we'll get this sorted, then you go missing. I remember once when the weather was a bit bad and I was thinking about calling this off and he said, uh, are you sure you're going to do that, Keith? I said, why, Alan? He said, because if you call off so quickly, the next time the weather's not so bad, the kids just won't turn up. So you get out there and it doesn't matter what it's like, even if you just do 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, you get out there and you, and you do something and then those children will know that you're serious about what you're doing and also know you're committed to them and hang the weather, you know, there's always something that can be done. And I've done it all my life like that, all my life. And a kid can come to me, could come to me and say, can you help me, Mr Fielding? Of course I can. What do you want? Not, oh, well, you know, later and we'll do that. No, what do you want? We'll fit it in there. Yes, you can do this, you can do this. And, that. and that's what that's what Alan McInnes taught me. And I will, will be forever grateful to him, not only as a teacher, but also a coach. Least of all, because all the coaching stuff, he took us for a session, and the next day back at school, my kids will be getting the same session. So I was learning the practicalities of it, but also just the, to be genuine about it and, and, and talk with people and tell them why and what for instead of just being shouters and so-called you know motivators in inverted commas yeah definitely sounds like he was a great man Alan McKinnis he also played a lot of games for Salford as well didn't he and uh, you know that back end of the, of the 60s what, what sort of a player was Alan um, I actually I don't think I actually get to play with him he, he just finished and I think had a spell at Warrington before, that's right, before he came back to Salford. I understand he was a ace uh, drop kicker. They reckoned he could actually catch the ball, light up with smoke wood by and still have time to kick the goal. He created space around and time around him. Um, but he was a player's player. You know, he set people up. He didn't, he didn't actually do it. Think all, everything himself. He was a catalyst and he was a, a driving force around players. A great, a, a great player, a better coach, and a magnificent man. He scored a lot of tries for Salford. Any kind of stick in the mind for you? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A um, couple of tries. With, um, I scored. I scored four tries at Central Park one year. Uh, I can't remember the year, and one of them was a right Brahma. It was uh, from the 25, the right-hand side. Uh, beat three or four players, cut inside, went under the sticks. Um, probably the most memorable is the one in the replay final of the, of the Floodlit Cup against Warrington at Warrington. Um, Stuart Whitehead went to kick for a long goal. He dropped short under the sticks. David Watkins caught it. Sidestep, sidestep, like he did. Passed the ball off to me, 60 yards under the sticks, got fouled by Derek Noon and going over. So we had a penalty as well, it was a seven point try, won us the game. Yeah. Is it true to say you had a lot of tries disallowed wrongly for being offside because you were so fast? My dad said he went to Wakefield one year in the 70s and he had four tries disallowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I probably could have doubled up <laughs> if you tried. Uh, I have to say, perhaps once or twice I was offside, but. The, the skill that I, I seemed to have was timing my run onto the kick. I could look at the kicker, the kicker could look at me. It could be Kenny Gill, it could have been Chris, it could have been David. Very often was Colin Dixon, yeah? And you just look up and I time my run so I hit it flat on on the line of the kick. By the time the referee looked up, I was 15, 20 yards up, up the field, so I had to be offside. 
you played in an era of video replays and video referees, you might have even scored I, more trials. I may have had a few more if they'd have, you know, had the sense to look at the video replay. Oh, God, he's onside. How did he do that? Yeah. Obviously, you came today to watch Salford and Swinton. You know, what did you, what did you, you know, think of it? Um, great to start. I thought it was going to be even more than 50. Uh, there was a patch when they, they went off a little bit, but that's the whole point of a friendly. I thought there's lots and lots of protect. There's pace out there, there's endeavour out there, but you could see some of the top players holding back just a little bit. I think some of them were having a bit of fun. I could see Robert Louis in the, in the middle there, and he was, he was, he's got, a, he's quite a good player. You're absolutely right. Um, there was perhaps they were sending out some passes where at the top flight it would have worked. At this, some of the Swinton players weren't in the positions that perhaps they'd have expected to be and some of the players were getting man and ball uh, a few handling errors but generally speaking it was it was a, a good first game on a hiding to nothing against uh, another in a local derby that's be serious um, and I thought it was a good start and it's good to be come back to the club and obviously talk to us fans again as well I love it I absolutely adore it. it I mean I was a one club man I was with my rugby union and I was with my rugby league and I will be forever grateful to Salford for giving me such a magnificent experience in life. Cheers. Big thanks to Oxford and Devil Nita. Uh, well, it's, uh, to everybody out there, uh, Happy New Year and uh, I'll be up here again soon. So that was Keith Fielding talking about his time at Salford Red Devils. And next up on the podcast, we're going to talk about the game against Hull KR on Friday night. So, Salford Red Devils take on Hull Kingston Rovers on Friday night, Paul. Massive game for Salford Red Devils. Yeah, it certainly is against a Hull Kingston Rovers side that's picked up a bit of uh, confidence, a bit of momentum as well. They had a, did a tough week on the opening game against Wakefield. They, they built in confidence. They, they give Leeds a mighty scare at Ellen Road. And then last week, they beat Catalan Dragons in a, in a, in a good result at home. So they, they put Catalan Dragons to the side. I thought we were quite poor, but they'll gain confidence from that. They've got a win there now. They're coming on the back of those two games to Salford. And you know we're still without a win. We're the home side. The, the pressure's on us, really, to perform on Friday night. Yeah, massive game. Obviously, Ian Watson's had a week off with his players. Um, do you think Ian Watson will rotate his squad uh, for the game coming up? Well, he's had two weeks, really. It's been, it'll be two weeks on Friday since the Wakefield game, so I'm sure they prepared for that. He, we spoke to him after the Wakefield game, and he wanted to play the week after, really. He was disappointed that there was no game, because obviously they, we gained some momentum from that Wakefield game, especially in the second half when we, we grew into that game. I'm not so sure whether he will rotate. Um, I'm not sure where he, where he could, to be honest with you. Um, it was half-backs... Yeah, you've got Nile Levels and Gareth O'Brien at fullback, that conundrum that we've had for the last sort of two seasons, really. I think he was pretty pleased with the way his forwards played against Wakefield. He was unlucky to not get anything out of the game, so I'd have thought he might sort of go with a similar side to what played there at Bellevue two weeks ago. Yeah, obviously looking at OKR side, you've got some, you know, very good players in that, that team. They can't be, uh, you know, let off loosely. Yeah, I've got some good players. I mean, any side that's got Danny Maguire in is going to... Uh, going to perform well he, he makes them tick he's been a class player for Leeds and that showed in his perform early performances for OKR Morris Blair as well is a player I like the Australian you know, veteran now I think he's about 34 now Morris Blair but he makes them tick and they've got Justin Carney on the wing there they've got some good forwards as well you know, a decent pack, some exciting backs young Chris Sackin, I think the lad from Swinton they signed he's looked really good in the games I've seen him 
So yeah, there's there's some danger men there, and there's also the the Salford link of Tim Sheens, the coach, and look at the players as well. Justin Carney, Tommy Lee's there, Jordan Warren, Connor Williams, Lee Jewett. There's, there's quite a few. David Hodgson on the coaching staff as well. I think David Hodgson might be still registered as a player. He played last season for him. So there's quite a big link there between the two sides. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. Obviously, hoping for a big crowd. All Kingston Rovers usually bring, bring quite a few as well. And if we can get a lot of fans into the AJ Bell Stadium and make some good noise, it'll be a cracking atmosphere. Yeah, it was last season. We played him in the Challenge Cup on that Friday night last season at home. And we was, I think we were we 12-0 down and we came back and won it in the second half. That was an excellent atmosphere that night. Um, I'm hoping for the same thing. Yeah, OK, I usually travel in numbers. They're going to be buoyant after the, the results they've had. And, you know, it, it all bodes well for a good performance. I think it's a pressure performance, though. You know, we, we need to win this game, don't we? You can't afford to keep getting beat. I, I fully expect Ian Watson and the lads to be tuned up this weekend to come out firing. Yeah, uh, give us your score prediction for the game. 24-16 to Salford. 24-16 Salford. I'm going to go Salford 30, Hull KR 10. Do you see Ian Watson making any changes? Do I see Ian Watson making changes? Um, no. I think the second half was uh, you know, pretty good against Wakefield and you know, I'm sure the players who played in that game will want to continue that good form. I suppose this early in the season you've not played that many games, so you're not suffering from, you know, people being jaded and tired. So I'm hoping that, you know, the players will be fired up after, you know, a, a week or so off uh, and ready to put in a big performance against Oakington Rovers, especially at home, uh, in front of that, you know, crowd that we've got that, you know, after last season's success will be wanting to see something, you know, magical happen and hopefully that's what's gonna happen Friday. We haven't heard anything from Mark Flanagan. I'm presuming he's near fitness. Mm. He missed the Wigan game due to gastroenteritis I think it was <laughs> if I'm right right. I didn't know what that meant gastroenteritis they asked my wife the other week and I think it's something to do with your tummy is it? I think so <laughs> or like a tummy bug <laughs> I wasn't sure Guess what was it I, th- I thought it was a cold or something but it's not it's so we wish Mark Flanagan well and I'm sure he's, he's back going to be fighting fit now ready for this weekend but I've not seen anything we've not we've not seen the squad yet it's only been Tuesday when we're recording mm. this so hopefully he's pushing for a place and we've got Chris Bryan who's been out as well with that neck problem, I'm not too sure how far away from fitness he is. I suppose all will be revealed when the squad's revealed, but what a boost that would be to have Mark Flanagan there. Yeah, both really important players uh, for our our side. Fla- uh, Mark Flanagan, you know, really good workhorse. Also, you know, can play rugby league as well, got some good hands and, you know, he's a pivotal part of our uh, you know, pack. Uh, Chris Brining, you know, fantastic last year, uh, coming in, uh, one of our young uh, player of the year and best newcomer of 2017. We're going to be giving him the trophy shortly. Um, we've kind of uh, forgot to give it him, but if we can catch him, because he's one him. of them ones that gets changed quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's always out before we get, we get a chance to grab him. But, um, you know, with, with him, hopefully coming back to fitness uh, soon, he adds that little bit of uh, competition in the hooking department with Logan Tompkins and Josh Wood. But to be fair, Josh Wood has been really good so far this season. So, you know, would Chris Browning get in that team right now? Well, yeah, and, and Logan Tompkins as well, I thought was excellent in that second half against Wakefield. He really speeded things up around the rook. His distribution from dummy half was very good. He, he, he tackles and he, he works really hard as well. And just going back to Mark Flanagan, you know, Tyrone McCarthy's mm-hmm. been playing that loose forward role and he's not, not let anybody down at all. Who are your danger men looking at that Hulk AR side? Don't think you can go past Maguire, can you? I think he's the main man uh, for Leeds all them years. And you, if... Always as if sort of a hoodoo against Salford, always puts in a great performance. So, you know, I think you need to be kind of making sure that, uh, that you know, he's marked up. Uh, but Tim Sheens is another one. Obviously, he 
uh, as one of our old coaches, he'll know what what this uh, you know our squad's all about. And you know it'd be an interesting battle between sort of him and uh, Ian Watson, kind of the master v the apprentice in a way. Um, and I'm just hoping that you know we do enough to to get a result. But like I said before, here's me saying we should do enough. That was the Cardinals in a couple of weeks or so just doing enough. We need to be going out there and, and hammering these, don't we, to send a message out to the people of Salford that you know we've got a team here that's going to go places. It's been a funny old start to the Super League season, though, when you look at things. I mean, I'm in a prediction league on Facebook, and there's about 40 people, and I'm bottom. Yeah. And I'm usually all right, but it's been... Who would have expected Widnes to beat Catalan mm. in that first game? And then Widnes pushed Warrington really close, and yet Warrington lost their first two games. They were beaten at Huddersfield. So it has been a strange old season. I mean, Castleford beat Widnes by a point. Mm. They play Hull, I think, this weekend. Who've come back from America? Wigan have come back from America, uh, America, Australia. Sorry, Wigan have come back from Australia, and they're playing um, Warrington. So the, the games are really hard to predict at the moment, aren't they? You know, St. Helens have probably been the, the side that have been stand out. I mean, the, the victory they had over um, Castleford, and then winning in, in France. So it, it is. It's a funny, funny season. So the whole KR game, I think, is going to be a difficult game. Yeah. And I'm sure the boys will be fired up for it, um, and we're all looking forward to it. Obviously, talking about the, you know the Super League and you know how competitive it is. We went to Australia, didn't we? And, and didn't we tried to put the performance, didn't we? But unfortunately, they're too good, aren't the Australians for us? Yeah, I watched the Leeds and Melbourne game this morning. How was it yesterday? All the days blend into one with me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was yesterday, and I enjoyed it. It was very good. The, the coverage was very good. I thought Leeds gave a good account of themselves in that first half, but obviously, guys like Cameron Smith, he could have played that game in a dinner suit. I mean, so one of the Australian um, press people said he looks like a, a solicitor or a bank manager, but he doesn't play like one, and he doesn't. He's excellent. He, he, some of his, ki- his kicking game, he, you know, from from dummy half there. He, he obviously, he's a hooker, and he'll he'll come out there with them forty twenties from all over the pitch, and he just just the way he leads that team round the park, I thought was excellent, really. And you know, Leeds weren't poor. I just think it was Melbourne that was 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 really good. Yeah, I think with the Australians, you just know how to find another level, don't they? And we and we aren't able to deal with that. They've, I think the percentage, the percentage, uh, you know, turnover rates, you know, really, really low. They don't cough up much ball, do they? And you know, we 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 do in in situations, and and that's the difference for me. When you watch us play the Aussies, you know, they're always capitalising on on sort of errors, and every sort of every tackle and every set is important. When ours, sometimes you get like one or two. In, you know, tackles in a set where they're just kind of setting up a move behind when Australians it's kind of like one tackle one move you know what I mean their coach to deal with that pressure I was I was reading and, and listening to what Craig Bellerin the Melbourne coach was saying and he tunes them up mm. to be able to deal in them pressure situations a lot of the training that they did in the close season it was fascinating listening to them they were going out into the woods and leaving them out there for four hours and they weren't allowed to speak to each other and they were carrying all these logs around and things like that and it's just that sort of mental training that mental toughness that they've got and you think wow that's it sounds daft doesn't it doing things like that but that's just how far I suppose ahead of the are of, of, of our coaching methods and things we do over here and obviously we're learning all the time aren't we? You, you learn about the things that Ian Watson does with the lads and I think you know we're quite quite well up aren't we on what we're doing but you know some of the, some of them guys over there in Australia you know they, they have it tough I think the training they do yeah that's why they're best in the world aren't they because they're always pushing back the barriers and that's something that we kind of Set, need setting to. the trends really, really oh, yeah. aren't they yeah because yeah. that's why we need we need to catch up, don't we? We need to be able to to match them, and um, you know, I'm confident we've got some young players coming through uh, that you know, in a few years' time, we might be you know getting closer. Yeah, I think we're close now. I think we got close in that World Cup, didn't we? At six nil, mm. we were pretty close there, and it's just all about tuning that now. Ready? We've got a test series coming up at the end of this season against New Zealand, and then obviously uh, 
next time we play Australia, we've just got to go with that one better. Just go one better. That's where that's the that's the mantra. So big thanks for tuning this week's uh, Devil in the Detail podcast. Uh, I've been Rob Parks, and you can find us on Facebook Devil in the Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITD SRD, and you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Radio Contact. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Day. Live. Radio Contact.